morning, church. How we doing? Can we give God some praise with me in his house? Hey, if you're, if you're new to church, uh, welcome. We're glad that you're with us today. And uh, we are concluding a series that we've entitled Dwell. And um, I've had a, anyone have a good week? Who had a good week? Put your hands up. And the cool thing is, is you could have had a crappy week, um, but when you come to God's house, God can do something. He takes, he takes what often we, we mess up, um, not even intending to, and he has a way of forming it and using it for our good. And I've come to learn in my walk with God that um, if we keep the proper perspective of him in our life and who we are in his eyes, um, he'll take anything that we have done wrong and anything that we might have screwed up or being in the middle of screwing up and he'll use it for our good. I, I want to I pray this morning. Can, can, we, can we do something? We, we, we do not do this, but can we just stand to our feet? Everyone at, at Haddon um, joining us, will you stand to your feet? Listen, I have to be really honest with you um, for a moment. I, I've, I, I prep, our team does an incredible job. We plan series almost 12 months in advance. We seek the Lord, we study, we research, we pray and we pray. And then when we don't know what to do, we pray and we pray and we pray more. And we study the word. And we've prepared this series uh, six months out, and I've been preparing this final message that I was going to share with you today. Um, when I was going through the outlines of what the team had worked and we collectively put together, I just didn't feel um, that it was what the Lord wanted me to share. And I'm trying to be obedient to the Holy Spirit, and I try to be sensitive. So I've learned, like, I know how God does this with me because he just wants me to, like, you know, you're going to preach about relying on me. You better do it yourself. I'm like, okay. Fine. And so I, I was like, Friday comes around and I'm like, all right, God, I got all my stuff. I got pages upon pages. I'm ready to go. And I just didn't feel it in my spirit. And you'll learn, like when you begin to public speak, you'll learn like preparation is of the utmost. You want to be prepared. But I've come to learn that, that God can do more with a surrendered heart that is prepared um, than he can with someone who has intentions of telling you what they've learned. I don't want to just tell you what I've learned. I want the Holy Spirit to enlighten you and give you a revelation of who God is. Because when that happens, listen to me, when that truly happens, things change. Things change. When you're in an environment and you just receive more information, it's just like, okay, okay, thank you, thank you, okay. But when the Holy Spirit does something, anyway, Friday goes by and I don't really get a, a ton. Nothing, really. And um, so I'm like, it's all right. He's done this before. He'll do it again. You know what I mean? And a Saturday will come around and he'll give me something. And so I got this morning at 4 a.m. because that's my private time with Jesus. And I'm like, Lord, I'm ready. <laughs> he just wasn't. And so um, I was like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. To, um, come on, give it to me. Because this is the thing. Like, I could preach anything. I really could. Not, not that like, I just... I could teach you something, you know what I mean, in just my studies. But I want to give you what God's telling me to give you. And so there is a requirement of me to be sensitive to it. So this morning as I'm preparing, I felt like, okay, he's just giving me a direction. Just giving me a direction. I'm just going to go for it. Um, but this is, what I, this is what I need you to know about, about sons and daughters of the king. Reservation um, is like a restrictor of passion. Um, apathy doesn't allow you to follow at his pace. When we worship God, and maybe I should say this to the 11 o'clock service, but can I just remind you that when we worship and, all, and everyone here is going to come to the 6 p.m. service at Collingswood, um, that's going to be tonight. Um, we're not having service here tonight. It'll be Collingswood Theater where we'll begin having our weekly services for what is our Haddon who will become our Collingswood location. Um, I'm just, I'm just, I'm fine. What's that? 
on starting on the 9th of September. That's, that's correct. Tonight we'll have a 6 p.m. service there. You don't want to miss it. But I think as, as sons and daughters, we need, to, we need to be intentional about certain things. And one is in, in our worship and in our preparation of our hearts coming to God's house. I want us to pray right now, but I want us to pray that God would mess us up. Because <laughs> this is what I know. This is what I know. Like when we come to the place of just honesty and transparency and vulnerability before God and say, God, teach me something, but, but do something into my heart. I don't want to do something to your, to your mind. There's, there's enough teachers and theologians out there that are far more eloquent and articulate than I am. But I, want, I know that God can use me to minister to you in a way that the Holy Spirit will speak to you. So stretch your hands to heaven and let me pray before we begin. Father, I thank you um, for your people. I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for what you can do in our hearts through the preaching and the teaching of the word. So Father, through the foolishness of preaching, God, do something in this house today. God, we're grateful grateful for what you've done. We're grateful for what you're doing. But God, we wait with great expectation, Father, with great expectancy of knowing that what you've started, Father, you'll see to completion and that you desire to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. So God, be with us today in your precious and holy name we pray. In a faithful church said, amen. amen. Give God some praise. All right. Grab a seat, grab a seat. Actually, tell your neighbor, say, get ready. Now tell the other one, get ready. The one you ignored. <laughs> I always do that when pastors say, tell the person, I'm like, I don't know you. So like, I'm just going to pretend I say it to my wife. And uh, listen, Joshua chapter one. I want to read something in Joshua chapter one. Um, this may be all over, but it's going to minister to somebody. I guarantee it. So here it is, Joshua chapter one. Uh, Joseph, uh, Joshua is, is not Joseph. Joshua is getting ready to lead the people of God into new land. And I just believe that God wanted me to communicate to some of you, like some of you are going into new territory, new territory, new relationships, new job, new season. I think some of you, God's just saying, hey, you're going from a season of just being a kind of Christian to kind of like a Christian that has eyes wide open, like zealous for the things of God getting ready to lift your hands in worship, uh, uh, being a, a, a real figure of leadership, not only in your job, but in your marriage, in your family, in your business. Because listen, can I just remind the sons and the daughters here today, like we stand before God. We will stand before God someday. And I want this house to be a house filled with sons and daughters who stand there knowing in their, in their gut, man, I did everything with passionate pursuit of the things of God. So Joshua's getting ready to lead the people of Israel into the promised land. Moses led them up to this point because of the negativity of the people. They walked in circles for 40 years. My prayer for you is that is not your journey. You don't need that to be your journey. Some of you kind of live in this perpetual kind of like environment of negativity and anger and frustration. Don't need to be your journey. Don't need to be your journey. That doesn't need to be your continual path. And so Joshua is now in charge. And I just want to speak to some of you who believe. This is just for the people to believe that God wants to do something um, exceedingly abundantly far more greater than you could ever think or imagine in your life. So if you're just happy with like, no, I'm fine. I'll take my, you know, whatever. But that's great. But for those who want more from God, who, who desire to, 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 to have more of what God wants to give us, this is for you, Okay. And if you believe God's leading you into a new season, I just want you to hear this command because I believe many of us just need to understand the heart of God as he leads us through seasons. Life is, is all about seasons. 
And God does something with them. The Bible says as long as the earth endures, there will be seasons. There will be seed time, harvest time. There will be cold and heat, sun, sunlight, and, and nighttime. There will always be seasons as long as the earth endures. And so here it is. It's a new season for Joshua. Joshua is the leader. And this is the word of the Lord to Joshua. And I believe it's the word of the Lord for us today. Can you say amen? Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, I, I always pause here, and I, I, some of you have heard me preach this before. You always ask me why. Because I think Joshua knew he was dead. That's fair enough, right? Sometimes God just wants to establish the reality of the context in which we're talking about. Some of you think you're somewhere and you're not. Some of you think you're, you're, you're further ahead and you're not. Some of you think you're further behind and you're not. And so I believe God's just trying to establish like, no, 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 this is where we're at. It may be ugly, it may be insecure about the reality of the situations we're in, but this is the situation. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan. Say it one more time, say get ready. Get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them to the Israelites, I, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the, desert of, to, from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one, everybody say no one. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to, the, to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous and be careful to obey all the law that my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Can you say amen to that? I want to talk to you about getting ready for a moment. Anytime God leads you into a new territory, there's, there's almost like this spiritual kind of like, hey, you got to get ready for something. Do you know sometimes you don't even know what you're getting ready for? No idea. My wife and I, when we get ready to, to go away, which we don't go away a ton because we have three little kids, but we pack differently. There's a different um, type of, of preparation. Uh, when, when Joshua is being told to get ready, it is an expression of intentional preparation. It's not accidental. Some of us think that just coming to church is like, I'm just going to try to eat. No, no, no. There's not this accidental preparation. You don't just walk into your house one day anticipating to go on vacation and walk in and your bags are packed. And you're like, woo, prepared, ready to go. Don't even need to do any work. It's all done for me. Now, I will say this. The questions you ask in the season of preparation determine what you carry. Listen to me now. Many of us ask questions that are produced out of fear, that are produced out of insecurity, that are produced out of past pains and past hurts. So we prepare to go into a new season by what we've experienced in the old. And sometimes God wants to remind us that, listen, I'm, I'm taking you to a new ground to a place I've promised you. He's saying, get ready to cross over. But our questions need to be, we need to be aware of the questions we ask. For example, when we prepare, <laughs> when we pack, um, I like wait. I just wait because I'm like, eh, I know what I'm going to do all the time. Like my wife, she don't even ask questions. Now she knows like what I'm going to do when I pack. Like, 
I just get the suitcase and I go, okay, five pairs of underwear, five pairs of socks, five shirts. She goes, we're going away for two days. I'm like, I know, but I just can't make the decision now. And what happens if, if like one of the kids pees on me or what happens if a bird poops on me or what happens if my, like, I just, I want to be prepared. And then like, I'll go in the closet. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm getting a flashlight. You don't know. Something could happen. The power could go out. I need a flashlight. And she's like, what are you getting there? I was like, well, a pocket knife. You always need a pocket knife. You never know what's going to happen. And like, I'm making all of these preparations because I'm telling myself, what if this happens? What if this happens? Well, what if this happens? Have all this like extra, like I got a credit card in this wallet, I got a debit card there, got some extra cash here because if someone steals that bag, at least I have something in this bag. If I lose that, then I have this in this pocket. Anyone else pack like that? I'm just the only crazy one. One other person, praise God. Uh, two people, thank you. And so I do that, but I've realized something that all of those preparations are coming from a place of questions of fear. What if? What if? What if you lift your hands during worship? What if you prayed prayers that seemed silly to you before God? What if you believed for your healing? What if you believed for the salvation of your family and your friends and your neighborhood and your job? Like, what if you believe? But I'm telling you, when God takes you to a new season, he wants you to ask the questions because the questions you ask will determine how you pack and how you prepare. God wants you to know like, hey, hey, it's almost as if every, everything that that, that Moses provided, Joseph, or Joshua relied on. So Joshua would say, but Moses would say, well, we ain't got no food. Moses, take care of it. We ain't got no water. Moses, take care of it. All of these prep, all of the questions that Joshua had would be directed to Moses. And I believe that God was saying to Joshua, hey, no one else may get this, but you'll get it. He's dead. <laughs> ain't asking him those questions anymore. You better hope that you know who was his source of provision, who his healer was, who his provider was. All the questions that he had, he had a source, Joshua. You better know your source as you go into new territory. Somebody say amen. Getting ready. It's an expression of intentional preparation. Listen, I'm telling you what, you can't plan a move of God, but you can prepare for one. And if you want God to move mightily on your behalf, in your family, in your marriage, in your business, in your job, in your community, start preparing like it's going to happen. Start preparing like things are. Can I tell you something? Language portrays the heart. Language, if you're in an environment, the best I can relate it to is, is, is for me was football. I rolled up the camp my first year in college football. I heard more talk about a national championship than anything else. You know what that said to me? We have plans on being somewhere, a national championship. It wouldn't be accidental. We wouldn't just arrive there by, oh, look where we ended up. No, there was intentionality in the preparation, and the words revealed the desires of the heart. Sometimes we don't even allow the desires of our heart to come out of our mouth. The only thing that proceeds from our mouth is the negativity of which we see. And sometimes we need to be more cautious about listening to our own self. What comes out of our mouth? What do we say? So here it is. I think, I think, the, I think the, the most profound thing in reading this, just the beginning portion of this text, is this is what I, I saw. That we need to live a life in light of what God has done for us and not, and not what we hope that he will do. I, I know that we are called to live by faith and faith is the, is the, confident, is the confident assurance of what we hope for. 
and not, actually this is, I just screwed that up, but this is what it is. Now faith is confidence of what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not yet see. And I know we're called to live that way, but some of us are completely unaware of how God has moved mightily on our behalf. And we need to recall all the good things he's done so that we can live in the present and with the power that he's calling us to live. Somebody say amen. The second thing that God says to Joshua that's so powerful is he says, I will give you everywhere you set your foot. Everywhere you place your foot, Joshua, I will give you that land. Sometimes we read that and we're like, well, that, that, might, that must be nice. <laughs> I wish that were, were, were the case for me. I believe it is. I believe that those who are in Christ, those who are sons and daughters of the king, it is not as if we just say, no, I want that and I'm going to have it. That's silliness. That's, that's not what God's talking about. But I believe that this is a declaration of, of God's expectation to Joshua saying, I need you to be a man of faith. Because this is the thing, he says, I will give you all the land that you step in. He's saying, listen, I'm not going to give you territory unless you have the faith to step into it. So do you know that being in church is a peculiar environment? Um, Because everyone's in their different journeys, and everyone's in a different season of life. We have some people who have just said yes to Jesus a week ago. Some people have said yes to Jesus over 60 years ago. And everything in between. We have people here that have not said yes to Jesus yet. People here that identify as an agnostic or an atheist. People that don't naturally believe the things that we teach in here. And this house is filled with people on a journey trying to learn the things of God. And I've come to realize that the, the separating factor from us, those who are in Christ, is that we recognize that it is impossible to please God without faith. Faith has to be, the very substance has to be deposited within our hearts. So every single day that we live, we do not live by what we see, but we live and operate by faith. It means that I'm not expecting to see the job increase so my behavior change. My behavior will change in anticipation of the job increase. I'm not waiting to start smiling before God gives me the diagnosis of healing. I'm smiling because I believe he already has. I'm, I'm not going to wait until God uh, brings the, 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 my spouse in front of me. I'm going to praise him and pray to him and thank him for what he's already preparing for me. It's as if there is this expectation of faith. We need to be people of faith. We need to be people of faith. Can somebody say amen? I, I think one of, one of the challenging things in the context of our church is that God wants you to be ready. He wants you to be prepared. I want to lead you. I want to be the person in front having faith. But do you know that the same spirit that lives in me, that lived in Jesus, that raised Christ from, or that raised Christ from the dead, lives in you? It's the same spirit. And sometimes there is, this, there is this confusion amongst the body of believers to think that some of us are more highly favored in the eyes of God. God is no respecter of person. He loves each of us dearly. And he wants to give you things by faith. Everyone say, by faith. I love what God declares to him in verse 5. He says, no fair failure. There'll be no absence from my presence. He's saying, I'm going to be with you everywhere you go. No one will oppose you. No one will be able to stop you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. In verse 7, he reminds them and he, re- re- he repeats this often. Be strong and very courageous. Be strong and very courageous. It's not telling them to go to LA Fitness every morning. It's not telling them, I-, I think God's trying to make a point here. Be strong in the Lord. 
Be strong in the Lord and who you are in God. Because a lot of stuff's going to happen, Joshua. A lot of adversaries are going to come your way. But you need to recognize up front before it begins that I'm your source of strength. That I'm the one that you need to have courage in. He says, be careful to obey all my laws. The same laws that were obeyed by Moses. In verse 8, this command is peculiar, but not peculiar in the sense that it's not seen elsewhere in the Word of God, but that he's intentional in saying all of these things, and he gives this declaration to a new leader getting ready to take new territory. Do you know that, that our corporation name, when we filed with the state, to be acknowledged as a nonprofit religious organization, um, we filed as True North Territory. And we filed that, and I remember when we first came back, and I said, oh, that is so stupid. <laughs> True North Territory. Sounds like a real estate company. And, um, you know, like God doesn't... Accidents with God. And the more I'm learning, it's like as sons and daughters of the king, like he's commissioned us to take territory for the kingdom of God. And doesn't want us to be held hostage in the confines of a four-walled structure, but he wants us to take ground in, in our families, with our, with our marriages, with our jobs, in our cities, in our state, in our nation. He wants us to take territory. And I think people who, who are part of this family, we need to be in a constant state of preparation, of getting ready for God to do what? For God to give us new territory. And I think a heart that is ready to take new territory always remains teachable. You know why? Because you have no idea what's ahead of you. Do you know how you can tell a heart who's ready, who wants more from God? Is there in a constant state, constant state of saying, I want to learn more. I want to learn more. Tell me more. Do you know why? Because you understand that where you are going, God has never taken you yet. And I know that I need to rely and be more dependent on God than ever before. Why? Because I haven't, I haven't pastored a church of this size. And when the church continues to grow, I haven't been a father of, of three children that long. I haven't been married over seven years, almost seven, but not over seven. Every season is new territory. And I know that the uncharted territory, God desires to have us as sons and daughters prepared, not only in our spirit, but prepared for how we see the future, how we speak about the future, and how we even contemplate what to do in the midst of it. He says, keep my words on your lips. Out of the overflow of one's heart, the mouth will begin to speak. Do you know that your mouth will betray the diet that you're on? And do you know sometimes we as Christians, this is, <laughs> I can tell when there's an absence of time with my Father in heaven, with me personally. My thoughts don't fire as sharply. I'm more distracted than normal, which is a lot. And um, I, I, I tend to find that, that I think the worst about every situation as soon as it comes and then I'm fighting against it. But when I'm in stride with God, it's almost as if I see problems, but I can't see the problems. It's as if God has reminded me in a constant awareness that, no, this is a battle that he's fighting for me. And he's beside me in the midst of it. I'm not going to stress because that battle does not belong to me. It belongs to the Lord. Can somebody say amen? I think as we move out of this passage of Scripture, and I conclude in sharing some other things with you, um, there are questions that you must ask yourself yourself um, because in asking those questions it'll allow you to prepare 
for the territory that God or the new season that God's going to walk you in. And I think there's always this fear of like, am I asking the right questions? You know, Joshua, at the end of this book, of his book, the book of Joshua, he asked the people of Israel a question. He says, have you made up your mind? Who will you serve? Who will be your God? Will you serve those gods? Will you serve those gods? He's before an entire nation. And he says, who will you serve? Make up your mind. Don't live in apathy. Don't live in the middle ground. Who will you serve? You serving yourself? Your own desires? Your own ambitions? You serving all those things? Who will you serve? It's like we don't have any conviction anymore. And Joshua is trying to say, who will you serve? Live by conviction. If you don't want to serve uh, Jesus and you don't want to serve the one and only true God, then you serve whoever you serve. But then Joshua says something profound. He says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And he makes this declaration just saying, hey, listen, if you haven't asked the questions, my family's prepared to take on new territory and new ground. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's my prayer over this house. Can you say amen? I know that, that, that God desires to give us things. Do you believe that? I, I believe that God desires to give us things and because I believe that I serve a good God. It seems like, okay, now I believe that I serve a good God. I believe in my worst, God still loves me. I believe when I screw up and say things I shouldn't, God still loves me. I believe when I do things that, that everyone else might be completely appalled by, that God's like, hey, I loved you before you said yes to me. I loved you when you were far from me. I loved you when you were arrogant towards me. I loved you when you thought you could save yourself. I loved you when you thought this was all just a big game and you were just here because you had nothing else better to do on a Sunday. I still loved you. I loved you so much that I sent all I had. I bankrupt heaven of my children to send him to a cross to bleed and to die to pay for the wages of your sin. So you can say what you want about about Christianity and about Jesus making a way, but the fact is, is that he went to the cross to give you a gift. I don't know about you, but the only pain that you experience to give someone a gift is a few dollars out of your pocket or a few hours in preparation. Think about it. Jesus paid for your wages. And you ain't, it's not like you went to a really you know, fancy restaurant and, and racked up a bill of a few thousand dollars. The wages of that you racked up were sin, and sin needed a payment. And the penalty for that was death. And so Jesus, in order to give you the gift of salvation, he went to the cross. And he bled and he died so that you could receive the gift of salvation. My, um, my, three, do my three daughters, I have two daughters, and uh, my son is not a little girl, that's for sure. And um, my, um, Liza's grandfather, um, is a great man and, and every birthday he blesses our children with um, a little check and he deposits some money into a savings account for them, which I think is just awesome and just a generous guy. And um, do you know that when you receive gifts at a certain season in your life, um, you don't really appreciate it. Like I know Harper, she's trying to be the most sweet and sincere little girl and she comes up, she goes, look dad, a check. <laughs> You know, and you're like, Ooh, it's actually not even a real check. It's a photocopy of the other real check. But oh, isn't that sweet? She's like, yeah, can I go play with Mother Tori? She's like, yeah, go ahead. It's like she doesn't even know what she's received. But there will come a day 
There, there will come a moment in everyone's life where you pause long enough to recall the gift you've actually received from God. When she turns 17, oh, that's frightening to even think about. When she turns 17 and she's like, I want to drive. And I'm like, sorry, got to wait till you're 21. And, um, and she goes, I want to drive. Like, I'll tell you what, all those small deposits will make something significant. But she didn't realize it right then. Like, I wonder how many Christians are going through the motions of life and just not realizing of the gift you've received from Jesus. The significant gift of salvation, of eternal life. And that's, not, that's just the beginning of the gifts that he gives. In Luke chapter um, 11, it's like Jesus is trying to, which he doesn't even need to do, but he's trying to just affirm his position and his qualifications of being a good father. And so he says, so I said to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks the door will be open. And I love this. He says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift, everybody say gift, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. It's a gift from God. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 5, as we've been talking in the Dwell series, this baptism of the Holy Spirit, this overflowing, this breath of fresh air, the Spirit of God that comes on to the believer at the point of asking after salvation to be filled with the Spirit of God. I love what it says. It says on one occasion while they were eating, what, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have, well, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, the gift of eternal salvation, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And finally, I think it would be uh, wrong of me not to share some of this. This is what I wanted to preach to you all about today, but um, I think that you need to go in your Bible and you need to spend some time with God and you need to read through these. But God not only gave us the gift of eternal salvation and not only gave us the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but within the word of God, he promises us many spiritual gifts. In Ephesians chapter 4, you'll find five gifts. They're considered the ministry gifts, but it doesn't stop there. If you go to Romans chapter 12, you'll find that there's what some refer to as motivational gifts. There's seven of them. The motivational gifts are essentially the way that you're wired. And it's so interesting today. I know some of you in your employment, you've taken like the Myers-Briggs test. You've taken this test. You've taken this personality. Do you know, do you know that there was a, a personality test done on you that was written by the one who created you? Um, that actually, and, and I laugh when I found out about it because everything that every personality test is developed upon is within the spiritual gifts that God outlines in his word. You probably won't ever be told that, but um, they're found in Romans. And then finally in 1 Corinthians um, 12, you'll see that there's nine what we refer to as spiritual gifts. And all of these gifts are gifts from God to his children. And I know when it comes to spiritual gifts, I know 
that if you had any type of past experience in, in the church with spiritual gifts, there's one or two gifts that just freak you out and you're like, oh, don't really want that. I just, you can, you, you, you can have those because that kind of just scares me. I, can I tell you, there's nothing that God has for us that we should be frightened of, ever. What you should be frightened of is man's representation of something that they're desiring to do and not something that God's desiring to give. God desires to give us good things because he's a good God. Can you say amen? And, and I, I think for, for many of us, we need to make sure of a few things. We need to make sure of a few things. We need to make sure that our heart's positioned to receive from God. We need to make sure that we're right with him, that we've given our life to him, that we've received the first gift, the gift of salvation, which is not any gift that you can work for. You actually don't have much to do with that because it's a free gift. You can't earn it. You can work for it. It's a free gift from God. But the other gifts are ones in which you have to pray and to seek God. You have to prepare your heart to receive from God. You have to have disciplines in your life of reading the word, of praying before God. Not as if God is restricting it from you, but God wants you to be prepared to receive it. It's the same with baptism, water baptism. For many of you, you've said yes to Jesus. But you know that is a private decision between you and God. But you know what it says in his word? That if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. But if you don't confess me before men, I won't confess you before my Father in heaven. Essentially, there is a re- not a, a requirement, but an expectation that the private decision you made in your life goes public for people to know. And you get water baptized before people and you just say, hey, by the way, that private decision I made in the back. It's a public one now. I want you all to know that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And I'm going to honor him to the best of my ability and live to serve him all the days of my life. That's what being baptized in water is a representation of. I don't know if you've ever seen spiritual gifts in action. Or you have been aware of them. But they happen almost every Sunday here. Prophecy, words of knowledge. um, Words of faith. And a... Let me share some with you. A few years ago, I was out to dinner with my father and a friend of his who was a prophet. He's a man of God, and and I I remember being in church and always seeing people come up and say words, and I would be like, well, that's kind of cool, whatever. It has nothing to do with me, and don't really know if that's actually going to ever come true. And and I all once I found out that the prophets in the Old Testament were stoned to death if they were a false prophet, I was like, hey, someone should find out if this guy's telling the truth or not. You know, just a cynical person, and I was kind of like, you know, wasn't sure about the active nature of the spiritual gifts that were happening today. And at the end of the lunch that I had with my father and this gentleman, uh, I remember thinking as we were walking to our cars, and this is so terrible of me, forgive me for saying this, but I remember thinking to myself, like, this is a normal person. Because I had all these presuppositions and these ideas of how he should act, what he was going to say, and he was like, he was like my father. He was just a loving, caring God-honoring man and just wanted to know me more. And we were getting into the car and he was getting in his car and I was walking away and he had opened his car door and he was just getting ready to get in. And I was like, it was nice seeing you. And as I go to walk away, he grabs my arm. I was like, we're going to fight. No, I'm just kidding. And he, he, he grabs my arm and um, he says, hold on. Um, the Lord just told me something. He says, in the next six months, God's going to open up two opportunities for you to speak on it. One, an international platform and one, a very large um, uh, platform in the U.S., And I was like, oh, thanks, man. Have a good one. And I just left. And um, it was like I was, I was familiar with God to a point that I didn't, I missed the gifts that he had for me. 
And I remember three months went by and I got asked to speak on a larger platform in Australia. And then four months went by and I got asked to speak in another larger platform in the U.S. And I remember my father had reminded me of this conversation. And I remember getting to a place and feeling so, not embarrassed, but I, nah, maybe embarrassed is the right word. But I remember just thinking, God, forgive me. Because I, 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 maybe I didn't think you could move that way. Do you know we have so many speakers that come and, and they'll give a word. Steve Penny is a prophet and he'll come and in front of the whole church. And when God places something on his heart, he'll share it with the church. And he shared plenty of things with our church. And we've received plenty of words um, in, in our church. And to watch things happen. I remember the first time God gave me a word. And I shared it with someone. And I remember it was an overwhelming thing. Because can I tell you, these gifts are not for you to keep to yourself. They're for the benefit of the body of Christ. And you are not, the, the, the way these gifts get misrepresented and poorly used in the church is people say, well, this is my gift. It's not even yours. It doesn't belong to you. It's, it's his. And he's given it to you and deposited within you so that you can be a conduit of his to represent his nature within the body of Christ. To strengthen the believers, to strengthen one another, to encourage one another. And, and, and as God does those things amongst us, there's strength in the midst of it. Man, church, I'm excited for this new season. I'm excited for all that God's going to do um, in our future. There's a lot of things happening behind the scenes, and um, it would be premature for me to make announcements on anything, but I'm so excited about what God's doing. And can I just say, not excited about what he's doing and the strategic things. I'm excited for what he's doing in your heart because we are the church. And as God goes before us and equip, equips us with what we need, man, we'll begin to see life change right before our very eyes. And my prayer is that we can recognize God's goodness in the midst of it. Can you say amen? Let's pray. Father, I'm thankful for your word. God, I'm thankful that um, your word never returns void. God, I thank you that, that we go through seasons and you constantly remind us that you're with us, that you will not leave us nor forsake us. And so, Father, today as we go um, and we even prepare for what will happen tonight in Collingswood, Father, we just pray that, that we have a gathering together with a level of expectation and faith that our church has never yet seen. And, Father, I pray that when we arrive in that facility, Father, that your presence would fall in a supernatural way like it never has before. And, Father, I pray for a significant move, Father, in that area. God, something like we've never seen before. And Father, we thank you that you desire to use us, that you desire us to be conduits of your love, of your grace, of your mercy, and of your strength and confidence. Father, may we live by faith. May we have confidence in you and only you. In your precious and holy name we pray, amen. Hey, thanks for watching. I pray that that message was a blessing to you and I pray it's encouraged you. Um, wherever you find yourself in your journey of life. We never like to end any one of our services without giving you um, the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus was raised to life, that you will be saved. And salvation is a free gift. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't work towards it. It can only be received. It's this incredible grace that comes only from God. So the Bible says that right where you are in your season, not trying to fix anything else, not trying to get yourself better, not waiting or putting off salvation, but today, 
to make the decision to say yes to Jesus, that you know you can't save you, that you need Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. The Bible says it only requires you to say a simple prayer. So repeat after me, just say this prayer. Say, dear, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died on the cross and rose again. Come into my life and make me new. I'm now a Christian. Christ now lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you just said that prayer, we believe that your eternity is secure in Christ. One of the things that I wanna encourage you to do, your next step, if you would, um, is to tell somebody, whether you're telling us through the website and contacting us and informing us or telling someone else at a local church that maybe you visited. The second thing I wanna encourage you to do is to be planted in a healthy Bible-based church whether it's True North Church or another church close to you, find a church community to do life with. Man, we're so excited for you. Make sure that you get a Bible. If you don't have one, please reach out to us. We'd love to bless you with the Bible and encourage you on your journey with Jesus. I'm excited for you. I truly believe that your best days are still ahead.